1: And we welcome you into the Handicast for Wednesday, January the 10th. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Charles Hannegriff former Tiger Richard Dixon. Rich, uh, fresh off the national championship game. Uh, and we'll talk about the game later on in the podcast. We've got a lot of LSU stuff to get to, but it's always a. It feels like the day after Christmas, right? You yeah, know, so. hey, man, uh, wait for the, the big event, the national championship game, and then uh, it's going to be a long time before we see college football again yeah
2: I mean that's what kind of what the early signing period ruined for me you know you had from the national championship game till February signing day that was always kind of fun to keep you interested in January February uh, but now it's more like you know we're looking at coaches and trying to figure out what we're going to have for next year
1: and you know after signing day you got to to spring football which we're you know we're going to do this year with uh, a lot of changes you know for lSU. On the defensive side of the ball. So since we last left you, uh, LSU has hired uh, a defensive coordinator and a defensive line coach. I'm going to go ahead and give you a timestamp on this uh, on this podcast because I don't know when you might be listening. We are recording this at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, the 10th. So if you're listening to this and you go, "Yeah, man, that happened," uh, you know, three days ago. Uh, well, it's because you know, or we don't have something that happened. It's because this is when we're taping, and I expect some other things to happen before the end of this week. So this is just the day we're doing it. We'll get to anything that happens after this, after this. But um, LSU has hired Blake Baker as their defensive coordinator and Bo Davis as their defensive line coach. Let's start with Baker, Rich. Um, There's a lot of things I like here. First of all, uh, he's been at LSU before. He was here as a linebacker's coach. Uh, under Ed Ogeron in 2021, he's originally from Houston. He played his college football at Tulane. He's been a defensive coordinator two different places: once at Miami uh, from 19 to 20, and two, the last two years at Missouri as their defensive coordinator, where their numbers uh, went from triple digits in total defense to inside the top 30. So, a lot, uh, a lot of positive numbers with him. And this is somebody that LSU had to fight to get because Blake Baker is now the highest paid assistant coach for the moment in college football. Missouri had given him a contract extension that he had agreed to, but apparently didn't sign. Um, And, LSU had to pay him $2.5 million a year. So this is a significant investment and a guy who stars on the rise.
2: No, and to me, it's Brian Kelly going all in. Everybody worried about the money for so long. Well, they just made the two most expensive defensive hires they've ever made in in history. Um, So it shows to me that they 100% know what the problem was. Everybody knew what the problem was. But they're doing everything they can to fix it. Let me say this about the money.
1: Uh, Nobody knows exactly how much money LSU – has and spends, okay? I don't mean the the budgeting that is state record, okay? You can go in there and find no. out how much money they spend on chin straps if you really want to. But there are, there are fundraising arms to the university, TAF, uh, you know, Bayou Traditions now, uh, and individual donations to the university that we don't have down to the penny. I don't know how much they've got in their checking account. I don't know uh, how much money they could advance from loans. Like, for instance, during the COVID year, they were able to get some money, as well as the rest of the schools, from the Southeastern Conference. Call it a rainy day fun or whatever. Um, but for all of the hand-wringing that was done about the, the, the money that it was going to cost to dismiss the defensive staff, and I will raise my hand and say guilty as charged, okay, because – That was what I was told the whole time is, listen, this may be too expensive for LSU. I was told – we're going to talk about Bo Davis in a minute. He may be too expensive for LSU. Texas has got more money than LSU. Texas A&M has got more money than LSU. Dominique McKinley committed to Texas A&M. They got more money than LSU. LSU may not have the most money out of any school in the Southeastern Conference or in the Southeast or whatever, and they may not have all the money they want, but they always seem to have – all the money that they need when they decide that they want to go, like you said, all in on something.
2: Yeah, and I think when, when you get in a situation where we just came off the greatest offensive you know, that we've ever seen, and to see it not, I hate to say wasted, but, I mean, that, that's a national championship offense. And to not have the defense, you you go pull at the guys and say, look, this is what we need to get back there, and this is what we need to win. And those guys, when it comes to a situation like that, they'll strike the check.
1: I'll, I'll use an example that doesn't have anything to do with LSU as an example of having all the money that you need. When Mac Brown retired at Texas, Texas made a run at Nick Saban. How close they got, only Saban in the highest of highest clearance at Texas knows for sure. But the thought was, hey, Texas has got more money than Alabama. Fair enough, they probably do. But how much money do they have that they're willing to spend because Alabama was going to spend every penny that they could find in a sofa cushion somewhere to keep Nick Saban and at some point you the the, the money is not the overriding thing anymore when you get to a certain number like Saban could have named his number yeah. at either university could have named his number it comes down to comfort level and where you want to be and family considerations and all that stuff where you are deficient in money is when you can't match the salary or you can't get close. If you can't do that, then, no, you don't have enough money. LSU has enough money. They, they find it, okay? Whenever, whenever they need it, they, they find it. I, I can't line up their top 100 donors against Texas's top 100 donors or Georgia's top 100 donors. All I know is that since Joe Dean retired, 1999, 2000, okay, I have never seen LSU outbid on a coach, and don't tell me Tom Herman because Tom Herman wanted to go to Texas, okay? LSU was right there with the money. Have not seen them outbid on a coach, have not seen them outbid in facilities, have not seen them outbid um, on any – how would you call it – Auxiliary staff or facilities. In other words, past Tiger Stadium in a practice facility, all the other things that you need yeah. inside the locker room, on the practice, resurface the practice field. I've not seen them outbid in the last 25 years. I'll tell you this for anybody that's, you know, uh, of the age that didn't start paying attention to LSU until the year started with a two. This used to happen all the time. Yeah. When LSU went through the first three coaching searches that I was here for, every time I'd bring up a name of any prominence, the people outside the building would say, LSU doesn't know how to count. Uh, that's a direct quote from agents in the 90s. Yeah. LSU doesn't know how to count. And what that meant was, no money. That's not the case anymore. So I'm going to make my vow to you, and I want you to strike me down, slap me down if I do this again next year. If I ever say, well, I don't think LSU can afford it. Because for the last 25 years, they need the money, they find it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just it, you got to go out and sell the guys who are, you're getting the money from. This is what we need. As long as you put on a good pitch, it's up to them, and they, they have money to spend. This is going to come
1: up again and again with NIL. I don't know how much money LSU has Nobody does.
2: I mean, you, you nobody is seeing the paperwork that these guys are going through. I don't know if it's a – I've not seen – a, a contract, a statement, a, a written law. And you're not going you're not to going until to, it's a law. <laughs> and, and no one's going to, you know, I think it's more of a cop-out. Ah, oh, we lost him because uh, NIL. I mean, I've heard that, but I'm also hearing all these stories across A&M, across Florida, wherever, that they're leaving because, you know, their NIL, what they were promised wasn't met. Mm-hmm. So so what's on paper? Because is it if maybe we might get you this, I mean, anybody can say that, but, uh, you know, a lot of the times I don't think it is we're losing. That first class with A&M, that was bought you know i mean okay, that, that sure, was an expensive one sure um but you know when you're talking about each player to player you know there's a lot more i don't the figures i hear from people and the guys that are writing checks are not these numbers that i hear on the internet
1: no i'll tell you another uh, two more things about this number one this is only slightly different from recruiting before nil when you say now oh we lost a kid i lost him because nil outbid us They used to say that, too. They just didn't use the words NIL. Oh, the kid went to this school instead of our school. They bought him. You know, they they, they bought him. a suitcase. Yeah, right, exactly. So that accusation has been going on for a long time. The second thing I'll tell you is there was a firm, and I'm trying to remember who it was. They put this out earlier in the week. It was the top 20 NIL expenditures uh, in the country for football, okay? So I look at this list, and immediately I'm looking to see if LSU's on it, and they're not, and I'm like, Okay, maybe they know something I don't. Um, maybe this is. Mm. Then I looked at the list a little closer. Alabama's not on it either. I immediately discarded the list. That okay, <laughs> so <laughs> you're telling me that LSU and Alabama made the top twenty of NIL expenditures for football. Your list
2: is worthless. Well, I'm glad you informed me because I saw the list. I was working, didn't have time to click on it. Now I don't need to go back and look for it.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, hey. Okay, gosh. Uh, the, the first thing I'm looking for LSU. Well, man, they're not there. Okay, so they're still getting Louisiana kids, but they got to go out and bid on. This came out, I think, before Bryce Underwood, yeah. or maybe right afterwards. Man, LSU doesn't have to. Yeah. Okay, they can find it if they if they really really need it, they can he, find he it. You
2: just went and got three of the number one players at their position, and two of them being out of state. Yes.
1: You can't really schedule your illness. That's why we work around your schedule at Lake Urgent Care and Lake After Hours with 19 convenient locations in and around Baton Rouge. They're always open and there when you need them seven days a week. No appointment necessary. Walk in or schedule online at lakeurgentcare.com. And we're also brought to you uh, by Dana Brown and the law offices of O.C. Brown. For the last uh, 30 years, uh, Dana and his firm of attorneys have carried on as far as the O.C.'s legacy. So whether you've been in a car accident, you've made a mistake, broke the law, the law offices of O.C. Brown should be your first and only call, truly your law firm for a lifetime and a good friend of ours as well. Call them at 225-343-1111 or on the web at O.C. Brown O-S-S-I-E-Brown.com. Okay, we got this. This happens a little bit with this stuff. I uh, got sidetracked on Blake Baker. Um, here's another number that I like about Baker uh, he's 41 years old. If Joe Sloan becomes the offensive coordinator, or at least co-offensive coordinator, which we expect, um, LSU's probably going to have their youngest pair of coordinators in quite some time. And I'm okay with that. Uh, first of all, I think. There's a recruiting advantage to this. I think that the, both of these guys are active recruiters. Not that the ones last year weren't, but hasn't always been the case for coordinators here. Both of these guys, I think, will be active yeah. recruiters. And then I like the idea – the getting some fresh ideas in uh, from some younger coaches that are in this position for the first time. I don't want to downplay the experience factor because that's important. But these guys have some experience, and Baker – To be 41 years old and already been a defensive coordinator at two Power 5 schools and done a very good job doing it, that says a lot. Yeah, I
2: mean, he's a guy that I forget how long was it. You know, I'm starting with Louisiana Tech. Got in there as a linebacker's coach and then ended up being the D.C. uh, Guy played at Tulane from Houston. I mean, he he checks all the boxes, you know, being a regional fit, recruiting, energetic. You know, his wife's an LSU girl. But uh, to get that Miami job so early and then to come over here, you know, as a linebacker's coach at – LSU, which i heard nothing but good things about him when he was here that the players really liked him and then to go on and do what he did at missouri i mean he, he's on the fast track to be one of the better defense coordinators
1: he was at la tech for five years four of those as defensive coordinator here's something else you should remember if this comes up from his time at louisiana tech and also at arkansas state baker has coached in the secondary as well uh he was a linebackers coach here And he coached the linebackers at Miami when he was a defensive coordinator there. And he very well may end up coaching the linebackers here. But just keep in mind if LSU maybe finds a linebackers coach that they want, that Baker's capable of coaching the secondary too.
2: Yeah, I mean, does it come down to, you know, do you want 2D line coach? Do you want the linebacker? Do you want 2DB coaches? It Just there's places to fit. Um, And
1: and it's important because by the time you hear this, LSU may have – two defensive line coaches. We're going to talk about uh, an- another candidate there after Bo Davis, who we know is going to come in now and coach uh, the at least the interior defensive line, if not the entire defensive line. Um, LSU had two secondary coaches a year ago. They don't necessarily have to go in that direction. Again, they could put two coaches along the defensive line and have the defensive coordinator coach in the secondary. So they've got, they've got some options there, and you kind of mix and match it uh, to – what fits your personnel best? And I'm starting to think uh, two defensive line coaches and maybe one in the secondary might be the direction that they go.
2: Citizens Bank and Trust, a community bank established in 1916. Business bankers, business partners. If you own a business, you need a business banker that acts like a business partner with a bank that will go the distance with you, providing lines of credit, commercial loans, and all the latest financial services your business needs to go for. If you're ready for your business to grow, then you need a banker who's there like a business partner. Citizens Bank and Trust has six drive-through locations in the Baton Rouge area, Bocage, Sherwood, O'Neill, Perkins Row, and two locations in Plaquemine.
1: Let's assume, though, for the moment that Blake Baker does coach linebackers or whoever ends up coaching the linebackers at LSU. I want to talk about two players. I want to talk about Harold Perkins, which we always do, and I want to talk about Whit Weeks. If you were in the defensive meeting room uh, putting together strategy behind using these two guys, uh, which is the future, you know, next year, these two guys got to be impact guys. The defense is going to be better. What would you be saying about them?
2: Fast, electric, athletic, guys that can you know really hurt you from the blitz, that can really close fast, um, I just don't know if you'll see – You know, they, they may lack a little bit in size, but it's got to be one of the, the fastest tandems and most athletic tandems in, in the linebackers in the SEC.
1: Okay, so Perkins, we know what he did as a freshman. He was primarily a pass rush guy. And then last year he started in the middle. That was a disaster. They moved him back outside, and at the end he ended up being a, more so a nickel guy yeah. than he was anything. I'm all for him –
0: Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Harboring,
1: you know, enhancing his coverage skills. But, Rich, don't you want this guy to – you said this three months ago. He needs to develop a second pass rush move.
2: and That was the problem on him early on. He, He never developed that second move. He wanted to speed rush to the outside, and guys caught on to it. Guys started setting back deep. He didn't have an inside move. And that's one where I really thought when Pete Jenkins got brought on, I was like, "That guy needs to work with Pete every day for at least a period of practice because when he gets that second move, guys can't set back deep. They got to be able to read, and he's a, a guy that's just so electric off the edge."
1: Okay, so w- once you pigeonhole him into one move, then it starts to uh, it starts to water down a little bit. How are you, how are you disguising where you put Harold Perkins? How can Man, that guy was all over the field two years ago, and last year he just wasn't. Well, two
2: years ago, he lined up on the edge and came. I mean, he, he did not have protection responsibilities, which I think, you know, as he matures in the game, that's something that opens him up. Once you start dropping back in coverage, and, and you can do that, guys aren't spotting where you are on the field and sliding protection your way. Um, when he's dropping back in coverage and proves that he, he can cover and blitzes can come from the opposite way, where I talk about with Whit Weeks, he's a guy that, to me, has a lot of Perkins in him. He, he can come off the edge and he's fast. I just think it, it's harder for teams to determine where he's going to be coming from or who's coming.
1: Okay. Then are you talking about bookending these guys or does Weeks have a potential future inside?
2: I don't see either one of them as a true inside run-stopper guy. I think you're talking about an outside guy. And that that nickel Sam, to me, is a good position for Perkins. I just think he has to be more comfortable in it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay. Those two guys are two that we'll watch in spring. Uh, Because (laughs) there's a a meme uh, out. I'm sure by now you've seen the – uh, video of the judge in Las Vegas where the uh, defendant leaps over the, uh, the 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 judge's desk. You know, I mean, just jumps eight feet in the air. It seems like it's like okay, this is Harold Perkins rushing to yeah. passer next year, and you know, make a little joke out of it. But um, those are the two guys that we'll be watching most closely. Now let's get to Bo Davis. Uh, Davis is back at LSU again. I mean, just start with the with the money um i don't know what how long how much this is going to shake out for uh, again we're doing this early in the afternoon on wednesday but the buyout that lsu will make for bo davis and the salary that they will guarantee him will both be seven in seven in excess of seven figures and that's probably about as much as LSU has ever used to pry an assistant coach away from anywhere. These two guys, you call them the two most expensive guys, and I think you're you're right from a standpoint of to get them out of where they are. Now, once they brought – Dave Aranda here. Once they brought John Shavis here, those guys became very highly paid guys. But to get them out of somewhere else, this is a big, big outlay.
2: In his last contract, was Dave Aranda making two and a half million? He was. It was. It was exactly uh, at, at two uh, two
1: point five million. I think it was a, a four year deal for two and a half per. Right, uh, going into the maybe the, even the 18 season, but for sure the 19. I knew
2: he got the two main. I wasn't sure where it went from there. Yeah, but, uh, it was know, it was up there. Did they ever come out what the buyout was for Baker at, at Missouri? I had no, heard because four and it, a half or it, five. It, it,
1: no, I don't think it was quite that much. There's also some dispute about whether again he actually signed the contract okay. that he agreed to. This is a little known fact. But I, I thought this for a long time, and I was corrected years ago. Coach agrees to contract. University announces it. They go to the podium. They have a press conference. You figure they sign the contract. Sometimes they don't sign these no. contracts for months. You know, lawyers got to get theirs, Hell man. Yeah. <laughs> so just because, and I don't, I don't think that Mike Denbrock ever signed, ever man. actually signed yeah. this contract either. Uh, if you remember going back to John Shavis's things, like I've had this contract on my desk for two months. I ain't signing it because there's something in there I don't like. And it might be something. He was still working. Yeah, he working here, but it he was not. It's one of those was, things.
2: I'll, I I'll accept it. Let me uh, have my attorneys look over it. Yes, th- yeah.
1: that's exactly okay. So I don't know exactly how much it's going to be, but here's what I do know about Bo Davis: uh, fifty-three years old, and he. This is uh, this is going to be stint number four at LSU. First as a player from 90 to 92. Then he was a graduate assistant on Jerry DiNardo's staff from 95 to 97. Uh, And Bo Davis is my age, so this makes me feel a little bit old because we're going back uh, a a little bit here. Uh, Then he was here as an assistant strength coach under Nick Saban. Saban took him to Miami with him. So Saban hired him at LSU, hired him at Miami, and then hired him to coach the defensive line at Alabama in his first stint at Alabama. Then he went to Texas for three years. Then he went back to Alabama. He ran into some problems Did with the NCAA. He Texas
2: with Muschamp? Uh Yes,
1: okay. it was um, He was in 2011. Then he ran into some NCAA scapego- problems at Alabama.
2: It was a scapegoat type deal. It was definitely him. a
1: scapegoat yeah. uh, deal. And we know this because Alabama brought him back three years later. So Saban hired him once as an assistant strength coach, once as a defensive line coach with the Dolphins, once as a defensive line coach at Alabama, a second time as a defensive line coach at Alabama. He came back uh, to uh, coach with Frank Wilson uh, after a stint in the NFL at UTSA in 2017. Then went back to the NFL for three years with the Lions before returning to Texas. So, uh... Bo Davis doesn't need directions off the interstate <laughs> to get to the campus. He he knows where it is. He's also, uh, and if I'm, I'm giving you his resume because it's thick. I mean, when a guy like Saban hires you four times, he's one of the you're most doing the job. He can,
2: he's probably the most respected D-line coach you hear come out every year.
1: Yeah. Uh, if Texas has hired you twice, Saban's hired you four times, you've been to LSU four times, and you've been in the NFL multiple stints, you've earned uh, you've earned your pay. So yeah. he's going to be expensive, but it's it's well worth it.
2: The the NFL portion to me is really when it comes into how great of a, a coach he is. In the college portion, he's also known to be one of the big, best recruiters on the defensive line out
1: there. Okay, so reason number one, when you see the big number for Davis, is because of that resume. Here's reason number two, and maybe this should be reason number one. Since 2015, you want to know who's coached the defensive line at LSU? 2015 Ed Ogeron, 2016 Ed Ogeron and Pete Jenkins, 2017 Pete Jenkins, 2018 Dennis Johnson. Remember Meatball? Yep. Okay. Play with Meatball. S- okay, and second year Meatball uh Tours ACL or Tour Tour something couldn't Broke coach on the field so they brought in Bill Johnson. Johnson finished out the 19 season and the whole 20 season. 2021 they brought in Andre Carter. Got a chance to meet Andre Carter. Andre Carter could have put shoulder pads on and still played. Right. He looked so good. And kind of looked like he was ready to go get 15 sacks. Uh, 2022, Jamar Kane. And then last year, Jimmy Lindsey, but... John Jancic, and of course they brought Jenkins back. You, oh, Harold, you see what I'm getting at here? There's been no continuity here. This
2: hasn't been all LSU. Well, before that, I mean, when I was playing, we went through two. It, it didn't. It didn't settle down until you got Brick Haley for a little while before he left to go to Missouri. It's not all LSU's fault. Okay, in 2016, O'Garon was coaching the
1: defense, and they fired. They fired less. So Ogeron had to be the head coach. Well, they had to bring in another defensive line coach. It wasn't their fault that Meatball tore his, tore his knee up and couldn't coach on the field anymore. It wasn't their fault that Jamar Cain took an NFL job in the middle of spring. He was well-paid. He wanted to go back to the league. It wasn't certainly wasn't their fault that Jimmy Lindsay had the uh, the health episode that he had. But for whatever reason, it's been a revolving door, and it's always been something, and I think – I'm just guessing here that LSU's administration said enough. We are when they've had enough, they've had enough. Our best teams have always had elite defensive linemen. I can't think of one great LSU team that didn't have great defensive linemen. Yeah. And they they said we're going to fix this. We don't care what it costs. We'll go find the money somewhere, but We've been on this merry-go. They've tried to hire Bo Davis. I, I don't. I've lost track of how many times they've tried to hire him. It's like, okay, what's holding us back? Does he want to come here? Yeah, man. But the money. Okay, go find. The money. Yeah. We're gonna go find. I'm, I'm tired of being on this merry-go-round. I'm, I'm thinking that this is coming out of the out of the sixth floor. It's not coming yeah. out of my mouth. I'm 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 just a, a an observer here. But it seems to me after
2: eight years, they, yeah, they found the money.
1: We have had enough of this. Yeah. We are going to get off this merry-go-round. We're going to hire the best defensive coach in the country because he's available to us. If we can find the money, we're gonna find the
2: money. Yeah, and that's what you have to do in the situation we're in. Well.
1: They, uh, they, they, they did it, and uh, Davis, uh, Davis is back. We're brought to you by Dependable Storage. Now with eight locations across Louisiana and one in Gulfport, Mississippi, new facilities in Slidell and Youngsville. They'll match any competitor's pricing, offering convenient online rentals and payments. They offer free use of the moving truck for new rental move-ins. The facilities are clean, secure, and conveniently located. So check out the website, DependableStorage.com, for location, pricing, and rentals. Now, we talked about another potential defensive line coach uh, if Davis ends up coaching only the interior defensive line. And the interior defensive line is very important because if they go with the roster they got right now, Bo Davis might actually have to put shoulder pads on and play <laughs> defensive tackle next year. But I suspect they're going to get that fixed. The other name we're watching is Kevin Peoples, a long-time coaching veteran who was with uh, the Missouri staff the last two years and was with Blake Baker. It's possible they could bring uh, Peoples in to coach the uh, the ends, the, yeah. the 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 edge people. Uh, he's had some time. Uh, Gosh, he's coached so many different places. Uh, he's been he was with Northwestern State, so he's got a little time in Louisiana. Uh, he was with Tulane. Uh, he's been at Arkansas State. Uh, let's see, uh, he's been at Arkansas. He's been at UAB. He's been uh, where else? I'm, I'm losing my. Uh, he's been at Georgia Southern. Uh, he was. I told you he was at Tulane. Um, a, he was uh, with the. Uh, I think it was with the. Uh, No, he wasn't with the Rams. But long story short, uh, he's been a bunch of different places. He's very highly respected. And LSU may end up putting him alongside Bo Davis. And if that happens, you're talking about probably one secondary coach. And, again, maybe that's Blake Baker. Maybe they decide to bring in a linebacker's coach rather than a DB coach. So they got some options here.
2: Yeah. um, Just, you know, in my opinion, I would rather have – your defensive coordinator, coach the linebackers in the secondary. When you're, you're talking about corners, safeties, you've had two coaches coach that position for so long. Um, there's a lot of things going on. I think it's easier for defensive coordinator, and I'm not taking away from the job, but less focus when you're talking about the linebacker room versus talking about an entire DB room. I've seen it work
1: multiple ways. Um, but my thing is, whatever you're comfortable with, what, if, what do you if, know the best? If, you know? if Baker is most comfortable one way or the other way, as long as he's not, you know compromised anyway to have to do something you know lsu's been in a position where they've had to do stuff with the staff because of all those things that guy goes to the nfl guy gets sick guy gets fired whatever they've had to make some changes um you're you're starting with a a blank canvas here paint it however you want so i'm not going to say he's got to do it one way or got to do it the other way whatever they're they're comfortable
2: yeah um that's just, in my opinion, I think there's a yeah. lot more work to do with the secondary when you're when you're having to handle the defensive strategy as well. And
1: it, it may very well, uh, it, it may very well end up that way. I would also like them to hire a full-time special teams coach, but yeah. I'm not sure that that's going to happen.
2: You know, when did that change? Because when I played, you had a D-line coach and you had a linebackers coach. You had a DB. Bo, Bo Pelini didn't really coach the position. A position you know, he yeah. was just overseeing everybody. And I, I've seen it that way most of my playing career. Um, but it seems like now it's everybody wants two secondary coaches. Everybody wants two D line coaches. They
1: added a tenth to, uh, assistant about three or four years ago, okay. five years ago, whatever, whatever year it was. And this is where some people chose to put it. Yeah, um, some people chose to put it as a full time special teams coach instead of splitting secondary or I the guess line when, coach. When
2: I'm talking about that staff, I mean, our linebackers coach was also our special teams coach. So you didn't have a full-time just special teams coach.
1: Yeah, and there's been years where LSU has needed one. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, the, the defensive line is a, an issue right now because since we la- – I think Makai Wingo had declared for the draft mm-hmm. the, by the, the, the last podcast we did, but Mason Smith had not, and yeah. now he has. You want, to, you want to take that before we get to LSU's depth? Yeah.
2: I mean, that one to me, look, I, I'm never going to judge anybody. don't know what's going on in his household. don't know who he's got talking to. Um, and I'm never going to make anybody that makes a position that they feel better than them personally. But uh, th- that's one that just kind of leaves me head-scratching because I think I looked at his stats earlier. He had 23 tackles, uh, two-and-a-half sacks, maybe four-and-a-half tackles for loss in a year. And, and that just doesn't scream elite production. Um, he's a guy that's got all the physical tools. He's a guy that – I think it's played with such bad technique that it's, it's hindered him, you know, on the field and his progression. He's a guy that I think has the, the body to be a late first round, early second round guy if he showed the work and came in and did, showed the technique that they're looking for. Because I, I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't play in the NFL long, but I've talked to a lot of guys. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
3: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: You don't go to the NFL to learn technique. They expect you to be a pro when you get there, and they're going to they're strategize with you. So it's something that I think kind of oh, hurts them.
1: Oh, I got a question then. How come... So many guys are taken in the late rounds that they say, okay, he's a project, we can teach him.
2: Because they got guys set up that they specialize out in California and you're going to work with the technician the whole time. They got money to send you, you know, you got money to better yourself. Um, the worst coaching I ever had was in the NFL. I mean, the, the coaches did not teach technique. Uh, they, they, they strategized game plan. You know, they, they all wanted to be a coordinator. But as far as hand-in-the-ground technique, I had veteran tight ends saying, don't listen to him. It, it, he's not going to help you with your technique. And I've seen that on the D-line as well. Now, I'm not saying that's every case. There's great D-line coaches out there. There's great, um, you know, tight end coaches out there. But it's not something that you're guaranteed to get at the next level.
1: This is something from the college professors don't expect to teach remedial uh, exactly. math and English. I
2: mean, what guys told me when I got there was, we, you're supposed to already have that. We're just trying to teach you the game plan. Uh, for, for Smith, somebody will take him. He's going to get a shot. I
1: I I don't know where. Um, If they turn on the tape, he's not going. There's nothing impressive about his tape at all. From 23 to me,
2: 12 games, 23 tackles. I mean,
1: do you remember uh, outside of the the very end of the bowl game? Do you remember spots where it's like, oh wait, here comes that guy?
2: No, I mean, Uh, there's uh, multiple times that I I said I I don't see him on film. I have to go back and watch the film to see how he played.
1: And I think, uh, unlike Wingo, who. Wingo's just not. I think as he's big. maxed out. I think yeah, well, he's maxed out as far as his draft stock. Okay, he could come back and put up another good year, but he's had good years. Yeah. His biggest problem is he's not six foot five and three hundred and twenty five pounds. Um, he's going to be the same size next year, so. You don't have any questions about Makai Wingo's motor or his play, uh, no. you know, work ethic, uh, the you know the, the amount of plays he's made. It's about his size, and that'll be a problem a year from now. With Smith, you don't have any problems with his frame, uh, you know, his speed. It's the it's the production, and it, you know, he has not always been in the best of shape. No, so you're gonna you're gonna worry about all those things. But that being said. There have been some defensive linemen that came to LSU that were not productive here at all. That have been very productive in the NFL, and you played with one of them. Yeah, Al Woods was not a very
2: productive the worst player. line coach in LSU history. That
1: he, he, Al Woods, was a five-star out of Elton, and he was Elton was playing Class A ball at the time, so. He was, what, 330 pounds when he got to LSU. 6'5",
2: 330. Yeah.
1: So in Class A, I played Class A ball, Rich. I can speak to this. Ain't nobody that size in Class A <laughs> I used to a watch ball. his
2: highlight film, and it was just like, God dang, he just destroyed people.
1: Yeah, because he was destroying guys that looked like me. Yeah. Okay. So he got to LSU, and it was a very nondescript career. But he learned. He got himself in well
2: he was a guy that really, for shape for
1: 350 pounds
2: i, know, I was always in shape I always a hard worker always in the gym um we didn't have a technician you know, he was recruited by carl dunbar dunbar is a great coach we're not talking about d-line coaches i'm not talking about guys like carl, carl is a technician he's a as good as they come we had a guy named earl lane earl lane i don't know i think he's coaching was coaching high school last i heard i think he was like a, a security guard um Les brought him in to get some recruits out of Florida because he was at a prominent high school. But he was a guy that was just a, a terrible technician. He didn't teach these guys anything, and it really affected Al's, you know, projectability. He's still going in. The, I mean, Al's a guy went in the sixth, seventh round. I could see uh, Mason. 5th to 7th, somewhere in there, as a flyer.
1: He'll probably um, go in front of that, man. I, I, I don't know. We'll see what he you shows in the, Pro the days, combine, you know. how,
2: What he runs, what his numbers are, how he looks, and how he interviews. So so for Woods, it, it wasn't a, a still lot playing. of... playing. One of the last still guys in my class still playing.
1: Yes. Um, now, I'll give you another guy who looked like a million bucks when he was here, just there was no production, it was Daniil Hunter. And when Daniel Hunter got to the NFL, man, he you know all of a sudden this guy looks like Chris Dolman, you know, in a in a Vikings uniform. He's just a terror off the edge. He was not that at LSU. But the one thing I always said about Hunter and it, why it was frustrating to us when we covered the team is like, look at that guy, man. Look at the physique on this guy. Look at the you know the speed. Look at the. Sh- Strength. I mean, this guy could have gone into the Mister Universe pageant and and won this thing. But boy, when he got, you know, it, he was the classic look like Tarzan, play like Jane at the college level. It was very unproductive. The Vikings. He's you know he's a Pro Bowl guy every year. So I'm not saying Mason Smith can't yeah, I mean, down the line, but it didn't happen
2: here. Well, when you're t- you're taking a shot. I mean, where did De- Neil get drafted? I mean, third round, third I believe. Round, okay, so uh, second or third potential, round. so you can yeah. see something like that. But that's where. You know, when you get drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth, those later rounds, I mean, Al Woods drafted in the fifth or sixth. The Saints cut him the third week of preseason. Mm-hmm. And then he turned his career around. You, you don't have a lot of money invested in you. And that's what I say. When, when you can get drafted in that first and second round, they're going to stick with you to give you a shot. You get those later rounds, it's easier to get rid of you.
1: We're brought to you by Bayou Apparel, helping local businesses communicate their message since 2009. As one of only a few local LSU official licensees, Bayou Apparel offers the highest quality products to help you showcase your brand. Whether you've got an established brand or a new one, Bayou Apparel design experts can help you create eye-catching designs that fit your company's message. They do logos, event t-shirts, and promotional items for your business. Call 225-928-9090 or go to the website at BayouApparel.com. Here's why it's uh, all these defensive linemen are uh, important. Right now, uh, LSU's got a pretty lonely defensive tackle room. Uh, Wingo and Smith have declared for the draft. Jordan Jefferson's out of eligibility. Uh, Fitzgerald West, Ty G. Hill, and Bryce Langston all entered the transfer portal. That means that LSU has returning... Um, uh, uh, hang on a second. Um, Guillory? Uh, uh, Jacobian Guillory, thank you, <laughs> uh, returning, along with Jalen Lee, who got into seven games last year but really didn't play very much, a three-star prospect in DeMiron uh, Johnson, and a junior college transfer in Shon Washington. This makes the commitment of Dominic McKinley all that uh, much more uh, important. That's... You know, not very many guys to to go into this thing with uh, for the season, and even fewer for spring. So you've got a late period uh, that you know you still got a couple of recruiting weekends. Is there anybody else out there? Maybe you know, Bill Davis was recruiting somewhere else, or Blake Baker was recruiting somewhere else, and then you got the late transfer portal. So what it looks like today can't be what it looks like when the season nah. starts.
2: Jalen Lee, I saw when they were announcing he was coming back this year. Or returning to the team? What did he have a great issue did he get hurt? No, or? he just didn't play very much. Okay, he, cause he was, I the, the posts I saw, he's coming back to the team. Uh, just kind of threw me off. He
1: played seven games this year. He, he was just he was behind. Yeah, um, he, he was behind. Um, you know, everybody really. He just he just got a little bit of time. He had uh, four starts, I believe, the year before at Florida. Mm-hmm. So it was just a, a deal where he wasn't as good as the other guys. I mean, yeah. I I, did, I didn't read anything any, any more to it than that. Um, The other question that I would have uh, is, will they consider moving Savion Jones inside? Now, you get different opinions on this, and I want yours. Savion Jones showed up here as a 240-pound-ish defensive end who was known to have a, a very, very good first step and was able to get up the field and be really disruptive, quick, athletic. Well, This year he played at about 280 pounds. Didn't see any of that. Ish. No, you didn't see any of that. There was no pass rush off the edge from either him or GoFu. And so my question with Savion Jones is, uh, if he's going to stay at that weight or possibly put some more on, does he move inside? But everybody I ask about that that saw the guy play in high school said, Okay, if you want to do that, but you're taking away what made him special. You're taking away what got him to this level that got him recruited as highly as it was. He'd be better off losing 35 pounds and going back out. You go back out yeah. to play defensive end. I'm not a you know I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other because I don't know what he wants to do and I don't know what it, what's best body type wise and all that. All I know is I don't need him back out at 285 pounds playing defensive end again.
2: No, I think what you got to look at is is if he drops weight, is he better than a Womack that we saw get a lot more playing time towards the end? Um, is he better than who you have that can replace on the end? Because right now you need him at D tackle and you, but you need him not at 280. He had to get 295 before I felt comfortable. Put him in there. but Put, he lo-
1: Okay, but he but he lost the explosion at that. Um, so, the, the Explosion
2: s- as a DN versus explosion as a D-tackle. I, I need one step and be steady at the D-tackle. I need a guy to outrun people on the defensive end and, and get past people. Um, but like I said, I didn't see I, – I didn't pay much attention to him two years ago. Last year, I heard a lot of the hype, a lot of people talking about him. I never saw the flashes to me when he got out in space. He looked stiff, didn't look like he, he, he flipped his hips very well. Um, now, if you're telling me you dropped 40 pounds and he's all world coming off the edge, athletic, go there. But if you're, I don't see that big Im- improvement. Um, I'd rather him you know, sit sitting on the inside and play with two hands.
1: This is just me talking now, by no. the way. I, I don't, I don't know what they plan uh, to do with him. So they've got some work to do on on the defensive line from a personnel standpoint, from a technique standpoint. I mean, they're almost. They're as close to starting from square one at defensive tackle as you can get.
2: Would you compare it to a 2016 when we talk about the Florida game with Lackature and the what's the other guy's name that had to play the entire game down there?
1: Um, Greg Gilmore? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we
2: talked about how bad we're off, we're off at interior D-line depth at that it point. It
1: better not be that way. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. They got into that position in 2016 because they got guys hurt in season. Mm-hmm. They got if you go to camp uh, like a cornerback this year, it's like, what are you doing with freshman cornerbacks? And you know you're having to go get you know guys in, in from from nickel and put them at corner. Why you know safeties? You know you're moving Saedron up. How did this happen to you? What didn't you do your your job in the offseason? Yeah, we went and got four guys and one of them got hurt before the season started, one of them got hurt in season, and the other two went AWOL. Yeah. Okay, damn. Uh, bad luck, maybe? Yeah. Okay. If they end up with three working defensive tackles or two working defensive tackles when they get in the season because they started with seven or eight, bummer. If they go in with anything close to this, then that's on them.
2: No, and that's and, I, and they know
1: that. They, they, they know
2: that. Well, that's why we're talking. I think that isn't. You know, priority number one for this next transfer portal period. You got, I don't want, you know, you can go sign a couple of big guys um, and they can provide depth like you saw with a Mason Smith and, uh, oh, what's the other guy I'm thinking out of that UH. U cool High? Yeah, their freshman year, they came in in secondary, or not second, on the back half, and they provided you energy and athleticism, you know, to give your guys a rest. That's where I want freshmen playing. I mean, I, you very rarely just see this guy that is 18 years old day one and dominates in the middle.
1: No, um, I, I remember when Anthony Johnson came in as a freshman and was basically the third defensive tackle. He looked 24 when that, I
2: coached him in a high school camp when he was 16. Yeah,
1: and he, he came in, he was basically the third defensive tackle at freshman year. Boy, that looked really good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's – That's what you want. You want this rotation. You want some depth. And, again, they know that. And they may may have to dip their foot in the transfer portal more than they want to a little bit. There might be
2: some guys over at Texas that want to follow Bo. You never know.
1: That's certainly possible. Uh, We don't expect the All-American. Yeah. Okay, but – Give us somebody, right? One of
2: the guys both thought was good enough to recruit. (laughs) Like I said, he's probably
1: recruiting somebody somewhere else, so you you got a little time. You can't schedule your illness, so they work around your schedule at Lake Urgent Care and Lake After Hours. 19 convenient locations in and around Baton Rouge. Open, safe, and there when you need them. Seven days a week with no appointment necessary. Walk in uh, or schedule online at lakeurgentcare.com.
2: I did want to run one thing by you that yeah, I, I sure. got asked in the plant today. Yeah. Do you think the Blake, uh, Blake Baker hire and um, going out and get Bo Davis ends all the rumors of Kelly going to Michigan? Yes. Okay. I do.
1: Because um, I was
2: still getting people asking, like, there's no way you fire a staff. You can make these two hires and then, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going a, I'm to a leave.
1: I, I, not only those two things, but I would have said that uh, I I, stopped. I said that when
2: they fired the staff.
1: To me. When they fired the staff, but when Dominique McKinley flipped, that was a clear sign to me. McKinley, number one player in Louisiana, was committed to Texas AM, had a deal there, could play literally anywhere in the country that he wanted. Frank Wilson and Brian Kelly made a visit and McKinley flipped. Okay. I don't think he flips if he doesn't know who the coach is here next year. No. He's got options. Stranger things have happened. The Seahawks fired Pete Carroll today, but blew my mind. No, okay, mean, exactly uh, I, I did, right before we started this thing, that came over the wire uh, while we were having lunch. I, that blew my mind. So I'm not going to tell you anything, nothing that it absolutely positively can't happen. But I put it next to no chance. After all of these moves, no, I, yeah. I thought it was it was a reach before. We, we talked about it on a podcast. Yeah, could it happen? Sure. But this, 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 and this have to happen. This is and the Titans fired Mike Vrabel earlier this week, and I'm bringing all this up because it does ties back in LSU. Um, this is what I think happens: Belichick goes to Los Angeles to coach the Chargers. Vrabel goes to New England to coach the Patriots. Um, Pierce stays in Las Vegas to coach the Raiders. Harbaugh goes to Washington who is a number two pick in the draft, quarterback of his choice. He starts fresh. New owner, new quarterback, new contract, 30 miles from his brother or whatever. He takes that job. Michigan promotes from within. That's and Saints
2: p- do nothing. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps>
3: Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
1: Chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. Prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Right. <laughs> I've heard you stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah right. the, that That's my <laughs> prediction. I, I may look like a fool a week from now, but that's my thing. Belichick to the Chargers, Variable to the Pats, Harbaugh to the commanders, uh, and uh, Michigan promotes from within their their own staff.
2: You know, and I, I could see that you had was it the uh, the D D coordinator that filled in as interim coach for the six games while Harbaugh was out. Um, yeah, he uh, it might be him. Uh, he he definitely
1: is is in the mix. Um, blanking on his name right now. Um, I'll think of it in a second. But uh, Jesse Minter.
2: Yeah, because people were talking uh, about his name yeah. for the D.C. It uh, could important. be him. It
1: yeah. uh, could, could be somebody else. Um, But th- that's just – that's my prediction for how all of that goes down. Yeah.
2: You thought – I just felt like something would have happened faster by now with the uh, – I guess with the NFL jobs, it always happens a little bit later. But after the national championship, you know, Michigan wants to know what's going on moving forward. They do. But they've had that contract on the table for Harbaugh since, by
1: their accounts, last summer. Yeah. Okay. Um. Harbaugh, you may have noticed, is a little bit different.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's not; um, he's just odd. Okay. When he, he, he first got the job at odd. Michigan, there was that deal where they they could uh, have in house visits like midnight. Well, oh, they went, were there, they were going he went overnight. Spent the night with the guy on his yeah. couch, like <laughs> <Right. laughs> as a recruiting dude. Right.
1: No, I mean he was taking a team to Italy, and you know, he's. A very good coach. There, you can name the guys on two hands that were elite at the college level and at the pro level. It's a short list, man. It's Jimmy Johnson. It's Pete Carroll. uh, Barry Switzer. You know, if you want to give him credit for the the year with the Cowboys, Harbaugh winning a national championship at the college level at Michigan and being in the Super Bowl and I think the conference championship game three times at San Francisco, plus reviving a Stanford program that was yeah. absolutely in the basement the guy's an elite coach but he's an odd duck
2: <laughs> what do you think about the everybody talking about Kirby and the Falcons in Tennessee and there's a supposedly I heard T-Bob and them talking about a 20 to 25 million dollar deal on the table that's being floated around. Kirby Smart
1: strikes me as a college lifer. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. He could go to the NFL, but uh, that list I just gave you the guys that do it well at the college level and the pro level. Uh, there's way more guys that do it Nick well at the college though. level, take their shot at the, at the pro level, and Either hate it or it doesn't work for whatever reason. Saban is Man. the name that we always come up with, but you know, a guy like Howard, uh, you know, Schnellenberger or Lou Holtz, Steve Spurrier. Uh, Steve Spurrier, you know, some of the uh, Urban Meyer. I mean, the best of the best college coaches. College coaches that went up there and it was a disaster. Yeah. I think Kirby is a lifer at Georgia. Um, he, you know, he, he played there. He's that's that's his. Yeah. He's got that program. At the highest level, they're gonna—they're not gonna put a statue up of Kirby when he retires. They're gonna—they're gonna name a wing of the Georgia Hall of Fame after yeah. him. I mean, he's going to win more games than Vince Dooley. Uh, you know, it, it's gonna be the the Mount Rushmore of Georgia football is gonna be Herschel Walker and then Kirby Smart. Yeah, so I—I don't—I don't see it. The only uh, reason
2: I say it is because. You know, when you talk about Harbaugh, everybody's like, well, he's at his alma mater. He's won a national championship. They, they would do this for him. But, you know, when you talk about Kirby, you're like, oh, no, he's a lifer. He's, he's at his alma mater. Why would he leave? I and I get that Kirby, Harbaugh's done it before. Yeah,
1: Harbaugh's done it before. Harbaugh played in the NFL for man. a long time, man. He he knows the deal up there. It, he He's seen it from all angles. I'm not saying that Kirby couldn't do it. Yeah. And, and he would certainly have an opportunity if he decided to pursue it. I just – he doesn't strike me as a guy that wants yeah, to do it. I agree with NFL. you. I
2: just, when I listen to people talk about why Harbaugh will do it and then why Kirby won't do it, I'm like, well, there's yeah. similar paths. Yeah.
1: It, Kirby and Harbaugh, to me, couldn't be more different. Oh, they're totally different. They, <laughs> they, they, they both have a whistle around their neck when they go to work in the morning. But other than that. I'm going to drink a
2: beer with Kirby. I'm going to run from Harbaugh. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked me if
1: Brian Kelly would entertain the Patriots' job if you know, it, it were open if Belichick decided to move on and they decided to go that route. And I said, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. K- Kelly's a lifetime college coach. He's now 62 years old. I, he's from Massachusetts, the reason yeah. that, you know, he that, that came up. I said, no, I, I don't see it. It's not that he couldn't do it, um, but I, that doesn't strike me as his career goal. When I hear Kirby Smart talk, I don't ever hear him talk about the nfl saban it was we lived through that here because saban had been offered pro jobs before he got to lsu he had been a very successful coordinator he was as respected a name in the nfl as any coordinator at the time and we figured at some point he would go scratch that itch it was just a matter of what job was it was going to be I don't get that with Kirby. Yeah. I, I don't get that with him uh, at all. But while uh, while I got you, we got a couple minutes left. Uh, the uh, the national championship game uh, Monday night. What'd you think?
2: Ah oh, man, it was not what I expected. I thought Washington to be a. To make a little bit more plays, because Penix had played big in every single game. I watched yeah. him play in in the big games, but uh, that Michigan defense, I mean, they had him confused. It looked like they were trying to show cover zero the entire game. You know, making him have to make decisions early on and then backing out of it. I think that it was just a hell of a game plan by Michigan, and they they really did something that you know you hadn't seen Penix do in the in the big games and confuse him. They hit him.
1: Yeah, I mean, they hit him a lot, and I. He missed some throws that I haven't seen him miss. I, I just he was confused that, out there. You thought he was confused? I, I thought he got a little gun shy because he had been hit so much. There was much. both,
2: but there were so many times. Like, I, I'm, majority of the game, they, they looked like they were showing zero, and they were coming. Mm-hmm. And then I think when you talk about him getting hit a few times and they're mm-hmm. showing zero, I think is what made him you know, start double-checking every call he made.
1: I thought that the game was going to get away from him. Uh, I was impressed that Washington hung in the game as long as they did. They gained 301 yards. Michigan rushed for 303 yards. Yeah. So give them credit. They got enough stops in the second half to keep I them in were, it. I
2: thought they were right at the end of the game. If they could have scored again, they cut it to one, um, was getting excited, then they got stopped, Michigan scored, and turned off the two. There,
1: there were two spots where in the, sec, in the second half where I thought, if you make a play here, it's going to be real interesting. One of them was the third down and eight from their own six for Michigan. Washington had them backed up. This was late in the third quarter. It's a one-score game. They get a stop there. They're going to get excellent field position, maybe even plus field position, and it's a one-score game and now Michigan starts to think, "Oh man, a game that we've dominated, we're now in a in a fight." And McCarthy ran for 22 yards uh, up the middle. Yeah. That was a killer. They didn't score on a drive, but it flipped field position. The the, the last one was the 32-yard uh out to Adusney from uh, Penix that would have set them up on the George uh, the Michigan thirty-five
2: holding penalty holding penalty it, was a bad, uh, I didn't, was it wasn't a great call it was, a it, it, it
1: was. and it ends up being a forty-two yard swing so you're you're backed up now you would have been I, I'll, I'll be honest with you if they had stopped them on the third and eight and got the got the football there at uh, right around midfield and. Going in and scoring, you got a shot. But if they'd have gotten the ball to the 35-yard line, if that catch had stood, there was so much time left, I think Michigan would have come back yeah. and scored, even if Washington gets in there. So uh, I still think that Kalen DeBoer is as good a coach as there is going right now. I thought he did what he could, but he was a little bit out, out, uh, outgunned up front yeah, in, I mean, in this.
2: Those guys beat him up. I mean, I thought that they had a hell of a game plan and really – that was the most, like I said, it was, they confused Penix more than anybody done all year. Yeah. Brought to you by Citizens Bank. Citizens Bank and Trust, a community bank established in 1916. Business bankers, business partners. If you own a business, you need a business banker that acts like a business partner with a bank that will go the distance with you, providing lines of credit, commercial loans, and all the latest financial services your business needs to go far. If you're ready for your business to grow, then you need a banker who's going to be there like a business partner. Citizens Bank and Trust has six drive-thru locations in the Baton Rouge area, Bocage, Sherwood, O'Neill, Perkins Row, and two locations in Plaquemine.
1: Also, uh, by Dependable Storage, with eight locations across Louisiana and one in Gulfport, Mississippi, check out the newest facilities in Slidell and Youngsville, matching any competitor's pricing with convenient online rentals and payments, offering free use of their moving truck for new rental move-ins, clean, secure, and conveniently located facilities. Check out the website at dependablestorage.com. I'm going to run a number by you before we, as we wrap up here, and that is um, there are less than 40 underclassmen that have declared for the NFL draft. This is uh, roughly a third of what it was just five years ago. And we've still got a little time to the deadline. Um, This was put out uh, by our friend Jim Nagy, who's uh, with us on pregame show from the senior bowl uh, Mm -hmm. today. And he was talking about the effects of NIL on retention, in college sports. So rich, we spent a lot of time, you know, the, the, the old timers and I'll put myself among them. Uh, you know, uh, we, you know, this generation is not like the other generation where, you know, they didn't have all of this. NIL has kept a lot of guys playing college football longer than they might have with the NIL, uh, incentive to do that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it takes some of that guys who are, you know, we thinking they might get late round pick and go make some money now. Well, they got a little bit of insurance. that They can pay them a decent amount of money to stay. And I also wonder, you know, I don't know if he says juniors or just early, early exiters because I think a lot of this has to play with you've seen guys get better. I think these, these six-year seniors, these fifth year seniors, you've had more guys come back, be able to grow, flop from a smaller school to a bigger school, show their name, and, uh, you know, gotten more opportunities. So I, I think it would have to be a little bit of a combination of both. Um, so running backs in, in particular,
1: take a guy like Corum. At, at Michigan, Blake Corum, uh, running backs have been devalued in the NFL. You're seeing even the the, the Saquon Barkleys and Nick Chubbs of the world, these highly productive backs that are having a hard time, uh, you know, Austin Eckler, getting a contract. So you stay at State U. Um, you're, what's Blake Corum worth to Michigan next year versus what he's worth as a second-day draft pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: Yeah, like I said, I don't know what these NIL deals are. Um, Running back's a tough position to me. I've always encouraged running backs to go early because you only have so many hits on your body. Your your legs can only take it so long. Those guys I've always expected to leave early. But when you're talking about now where I thought they're getting paid now – I so saw the biggest deal, like a $10 million a year. 10, 11, you know, So yeah. your middle-of-the-round guys are getting four or Derek Derrick Henry,
1: I think, may, may be getting 12 or 13, okay. but something like um,
2: that. I think that NIL money is a lot more reachable now to get to some of these guys to say, hey, look, come back and play one more year. Because you make your money for those running backs. They don't get that second contract a lot of the time. Most of the time they don't. They don't. So right. you make your money in the first, second, third round. They're not even drafting. You might get one or two a year, maybe go that high. Um the guys have a lot more reason to come back. So isn't it,
1: yeah, it, it's all the more reason to, to get that payday that, I'm going to guess that Michigan's going to pay, would, would pay Corum will make more in NIL dollars than he would make as a third-round pick. Next year. Yeah. Th- now, the the third, fourth year, well, maybe not. Um, we, we they had can this, match that
2: year one salary. Yeah,
1: and you know, you you're still going to get that first NFL contract. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the second one. Uh, We have this discussion about women's basketball. I say, oh, well, you know, Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese are making more money in college than they will uh, when they go to the the WNBA. They're not going to make anything in endorsements. Well, that's wrong, okay? They're going to make plenty in endorsements, okay? Those two young ladies are incredibly marketable. What they're not going to get is the money from the local booster that wants them, you know, wants – somebody who is a huge Iowa or LSU fan that's not necessarily a fan of professional anything, basketball, yeah. football, or anything, they'll lose those deals, but they'll pick them up with other endorsement deals uh, for the women's basketball Watching
2: Livvy Dunn do commercials during the playoff games is about as crazy as it seems. And,
1: you know, she's she's a <laughs> – I was in an IL business for about a hot second, okay, and – when we talked about things that were going on in the industry, there were two categories. There was the Livy Dunn category and the every other person category. She was a category unto herself from a marketing standpoint. So like I tell Jimmy, I say, you know, Hey Jimmy, when you come to talk about sports fans, you don't count because you watch everything. Livy Dunn don't, put her in the discussion with anybody else for NIL because she's a, a category unto well, herself. I said that
2: I was kind of joking. There was a guy I, well, I listened to or talking to somebody and they're like, well, I mean, NIL, you know, LSU women's, they're, they're making so much money. That Baton Rouge can pay. I'm like, not, her money's not coming from Baton Rouge. No, no. It is, it, it is nationwide she's, money she's getting. She's different.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she's very different. We invite you to come out to Town Square Pizza and join us for the Daily Show every Thursday from 11 until 1 Town Square Pizza, downtown Baton Rouge. The Square Pizza is delicious. It's made from scratch. And most importantly, it's fast. So if you're coming downtown and you've got just a limited amount of time for lunch, get some hot delicious Town Square Pizza from the newest pizzeria in downtown Baton Rouge. Town Square Pizza right next door to Jolie Pearl. Okay, uh, we will be back uh, on uh, our regular schedule uh, next week, uh, and uh, we will be uh, into the NFL playoffs next uh, week. So uh, we should have some more LSU coaching news for you as well. For Richard Dixon, I'm Charles Hannegriff for Wednesday, uh, January the 10th. It's been the Handicast